welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. My name is Pastor Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Long Hill Chapel. And we are going to continue today in our series through the Old Testament Psalms called Pinpoint. Really, it's been around this simple but very profound idea, knowing where you're located, knowing where all the parts of your life are, not just like where you physically are, but where you spiritually are, where your heart is, where your mind is, where your affections are, where your resources are, where all of the parts of your life are is incredibly incredibly important. And I just want to give you a heads up that for some of you, I'm about to wreck the rest of your day. If you listen to news radio here in the tri-state area, and sometimes it's even on TV, uh, there is this one advertisement jingle that once it gets in your head, it never, ever leaves. And it's this one, 1877 Cars for Kids. Some of you are singing the song right now, 1877 cars for kids. That's enough, and now I have ruined the rest of your day because it will never leave your mind. But here's the thing the purpose of a song or a jingle like that, as annoying as it might be, is to help you and cause you to remember. And that one certainly is very, very effective. And the purpose of many of the Psalms that we have been journeying through for the past few weeks, and we will for the next few, is the same thing to ground us, to bring us back somewhere to something and to cause us to remember. Because a psalm really is a song. It's like a jingle. One of the best ways we remember things is by music being set around them. And really what the psalms are doing is they're reorienting us and reminding us and bringing us back, bringing us back to remembrance of what is true. Who are we? Where are we? Who is God? And why do we need to remember? It's a simple but very profound reason is that we easily forget. We easily, all of us, drift, especially when it comes to this. I drift. You know, and I'm, I'm the pastor of a church. If anybody should stay focused on who God is and who I am in Jesus Christ, it should be someone like me who spends a lot of time on this. But I easily drift as well. And so we gather together. We remind ourselves. We come back to these ancient texts. We worship together. And one of the reasons we do that is to remember and to remind ourselves what's true. And today we're going to look at a psalm that has a famous verse that many of us have heard before that goes like this. And it's the psalm that includes the verse that says, be still and know, be still and know, be still and remember that I am God. And that psalm is Psalm 46. And I figured a great way to kick us off is to do what that verse says and just take a moment and be still. And that was literally just a few seconds. But what happened to you in that moment? It's the same thing that happened to me. Immediately your mind goes to a million other places. 
You're asking yourself, what's happening? Why isn't he talking? You're wondering what you're going to eat for lunch or for dinner. Uh, You're thinking back to the argument that you had with your husband or your wife. You're looking ahead to tomorrow, and some of you are still stuck back on that Cars for Kids jingle because it hasn't left your head yet, and now it's back. But being still is something that is so incredibly hard for all of us. We live in a world where there are so many things that are offered to us to distract us, to constantly keep us in motion. And so silence for us is a very difficult concept. And I think the problem is this, is that we've reduced this idea of being still simply to the kind of futile exercise that we attempted to do. And the good news, and maybe the challenging news of that verse, be still and know that I am God, it is something that we should do like that. We should quiet our voices and quiet our hearts. But God had in mind something so much more than this the simple idea of a discipline or an exercise. What gets your attention in life? You know, for some of us, we have kids, and we can pick the voice of our children out nearly anywhere. You know, if I'm far on the other end of our house on a different floor and and I hear my youngest son crying in his bedroom at night because he's having a hard time sleeping, I can pick that sound out anywhere. It doesn't matter if the TV is on. It doesn't matter what else is going on. I can hear it and immediately I respond. There's no competition for that voice in my life. And so what gets your attention? For some of us, there's some of you who can whistle really loud and there might be a a crowded room and everyone's talking and someone does that and everyone quiets down and it gets their attention or an announcement or, or just something that draws us all together. And so this psalm, this idea of being still, is not just about being quiet. It's not just about an exercise. It's about what has your attention and what has my attention. And so the psalm is about, the, is about God getting his people's attention. And one of the reasons, and I'll say this for myself as much as I will for anyone else, that we find it so hard to be still and to be quiet is because God doesn't really have our attention. We're distracted, and even when we're trying to listen, it's hard to distinguish where God is in our lives and our world. His voice doesn't really cut through as much as maybe it could. And the reason for that is we haven't attuned ourselves to it. Now, first of all, there's other voices that speak in all of our lives, negative voices, things like our fears, our, our looking back at the past, our looking ahead to the future, the anxiety that some of us struggle with. Some of us struggle with a voice of condemnation that follows us around and tells us things about ourselves that are not true and that God has not said are true. And all of those big voices, in a sense, represent God to us. They represent a version of God to us because they're the things that immediately get our attention. And that's an excellent test for what really rules our lives, is what gets our attention the most quickly. Now, the media culture around us, cable news and the internet and social media, have figured this out They figured out that many of us respond to outrage. Many of us respond to things that stoke fears in our hearts and in our minds, and those things get our attention quickly. And the problem is that those things become a sort of God to us. 
But it's not just those things. It's not just those negative things. It's normal things. You go and you try to spend a moment just in prayer before God, or you know, you open up your Bible and you're trying to read just a couple verses or on your phone, and then you get a text message that comes in, and then your kids come in, and there's just so many distractions that we face in our lives. But there's another part to this that's important for us to understand, and it's how God speaks to you and how he speaks to me. And he doesn't do it in the way that everything else that's trying to get our attention does. Everything else in our lives, it does it by centering itself, by turning up the volume, by appealing to something that's inside of us, by being shocking or addicting or appealing to our sense of outrage. And God doesn't do any of that. What God does is he calls his people then and now to be a specific kind of people to represent him to the world, to live out their lives in a different way. And the story of the Bible, including the story that we see reflected here in the Psalms, is very often a story that we can all relate to. It's a story about us getting distracted, about getting off course, and then God calls us back onto course. You know, this is us as much as it is anyone else. And so Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God is about God getting our attention and about us hearing his voice and about us being ruled by his presence and his way and then about living that out in the lives that we have each been placed in in the world in a different way than the world around us. The other thing with this psalm is this isn't like an individual devotion. This was designed to be read in public worship. It's a corporate psalm. It's for all the people together. Then it was for the whole nation to say aloud. For us, it's for the whole community of faith, for the whole church to gather around and say or sing aloud together. And so we are going to read this psalm together, Psalm 46. And it reads like this. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, and that means because of, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms melt. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. As we read this psalm together, there are really three sections or three ideas that permeate all the verses of the psalm. And they're this, who is God? Who is God showing himself to be in this passage? What is God doing? And as a result of that, what should we as God's people be doing? And so God is painted, this picture of God is painted that he's all powerful 
that everything else might fall. You know, the nations might be in chaos. The earth might give way. Even the mountains, the things that seem so permanent and immovable, if they fall into the sea, God does not. He does not fall when everything else does, and he's more powerful than everything else we think is powerful. But this all-powerful God is a refuge and a strength and his strength. It's an idea that's repeated three times throughout the psalm. It's the place that you turn to, that you run to, that you go to when things get crazy. Literally, it's a place where you can run and hide and be shielded in. And so God is powerful, God is refuge, but God is also the sustainer. The psalm talks about a river that makes glad the city of God. In ancient times, very often, there would be a walled city, and the walls were around the city to protect it from invading armies, to defend it against a siege or anything that, like that that would happen because that was a frequent occurrence in the ancient times in the ancient world. And a lot of these cities would have a river or a stream that actually ran underground or ran under the wall and into the city. So even in those times where everyone felt like they were besieged, that they were surrounded, that there was no way out, the city could continue to survive. And God is that river. God is not only refuge and strength, he is your help, he is your sustainer, he is your source in good times, but especially when it seems like everything is surrounding you, that your circumstances are insurmountable. And the words that the psalmist uses, this river doesn't just help the city survive, it makes glad the city of God. So it's something that's a relief, it's a joy, it's a reminder that God is still there. And the other thing we see is that God is with you. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So God is not just powerful, He's not just a place that you can run. He's not just sustaining you, but he is with you. He's close by you, and he can be trusted, even when it seems like everything else in your life is hitting the fan, and especially when that happens. So that's who God is. But what is God doing as we read this psalm? It's kind of surprising. A little bit of the context around this, we can see it in some of the verses. Uh, Israel, like many nations, is caught up with trying to fight their way out of their circumstances, the surrounding things that are around them. And you and I do this too. You know, when life gets tough, we start swinging. We pick up the weapons and the things that represent strength to us, our control, our ability to outmaneuver, our ability to power through and power over or climb under, or get around, whatever it is that we think is going to allow us to fight and stand. We do that. But God has a different plan. In essence, he's saying, that's not my strategy. We read in the middle of the, the psalm, come and see what the Lord has done. He makes the wars cease. He breaks the bow, and he shatters the spear, and he burns the shields with fire. Some of you have little kids. I have little kids. And sometimes they really get into it. And they'll like get to the point where they'll start using toys as weapons. 
and they'll start hitting each other. And what my wife Grace and I, one of us has to do in that moment is we have to wade into the middle of it. We have to separate them and we have to take away whatever they've taken up and are swinging with. And in essence, that's the picture we get of God in this Psalm. He wades into the middle and he says, you know, enough, stop, chill, you over there, you over there. And he says, be still. And so God is doing something that we would not expect. He wades into the middle. And so many of us love the idea of God fighting our battles, and I believe that he does. He allows us to stand. He gives us the strength to stand. It says in the New Testament that the armor of God is literally there for us to be able to stand, but it's not there for us to be able to fight the battle. It's to allow us to continue to stand because God is the one who does that. But he doesn't do it the way that we do. You know, we always love this image of God kind of being on our side, of God being angry at the same people and the same things that we are, of God kind of being the muscle that stands in the background. And that's not the picture that we get of God in the psalm. He wades in and he separates everybody and he takes away the weapons and he breaks them and he says, this is not the way that I have called you, my people, to be. This is not who I've called you to be in this time and in this place. And so in a sense, God is giving everybody a time out. You know, we're so tempted when it comes to God to do things our way and to just hope that God kind of joins us in doing things our way. And oftentimes we like that version of God better than who God actually is. We love the idea, you know, of God being the one who helps us get our thing done who helps us in the struggle that we have against another person or against something like that. We love that idea that God is going to come and help us do our thing. But instead, God is saying, be still and know that I am God. You are not God. I am God. And rest in who I am. Now, there's a phrase I love in here. It says, nations are in uproar. And we can even in our time, we look around the world and we, we turn on the news and we can see the literal uproar of nation rising against nation. But what's kind of implied in this passage is that the way of the world is chaos. So it's not just the actual things that are happening, but the way that the world does its business is uproar. The way that the world does its business is chaos, it's fighting, it's conflict. But then the, then the, the passage says, God lifts his voice and it's as if the earth melts. And it's like when the parent comes in the room and says, stop, be still. You know, this is one of the reasons, by the way, that the psalm writers so often, they talk about the justice of God or even the wrath of God. You know, it's not that God is just running around all ticked off for no reason, but it's the fact that God is holy. He is righteous in all his ways and that the way of the world around us is injustice, it's oppression, it's sin. And it's a really serious matter that God is serious about and we ought to be serious about as well. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. And what's a challenge for people of faith, for Christians, is we're really serious oftentimes about sin, but it's very often about other people's sin. It's not about the ways 
that we've tried to get God to take on our cause and our way, which is fighting with the weapons of this world rather than being still and knowing that God is God. But here's the good news is God doesn't just sit off afar. He doesn't throw lightning bolts in occasionally and offer judgment. He comes near. Remember how the the passage says, it says, the Lord our God is with us. The Lord our God is the God of Jacob who is our fortress. I love this imagery of the God of Jacob. If some of you know your Bible, Jacob was one of the Old Testament characters. And he was known as kind of the sketchy guy who had his own way about him. He always had a backup plan unless God didn't come through. He said, God, I sort of trust you maybe sometimes, but if you don't come through, I've got a plan. And I can relate to that. And you can probably relate to that too. Because there's times where it's like, God, what are you up to? And in case you don't come through, I've got something here that'll work. God is the God of people who have a backup plan. God is the God of people who have some other thing who aren't sure about their level of trust. They're not sure about their level of faith. God is the God of the schemer. God is the God of Jacob. And God is the God of you and I. And even for people like us, he is our fortress. Our calling, like the ancient people, is to live out the way of God in our lives but in our world in contrast to the nations that are in uproar. And I think one of the reasons that we grab this wrong strategy of picking up the weapons of this world, whatever they are, and trying to fight it out instead of being still and knowing that God is God is because it just seems like it's easier. Sometimes it even seems like it gets results faster. Or at the very least, we feel like we're doing something. We're not just waiting around on God. But when we wait on God, when we truly take refuge in him with that in mind, that is an incredibly hard thing because it requires that we release all of those other things. And doing our own, our own thing in the name of God with a little bit of that sprinkled on it seems so much easier. So with that in mind, remember, we said, who is God? What is God doing? What should we be doing as a result? You know, I think it's really kind of a surprising thing because often we're looking for a new activity. Being still for so many of us is just another activity. It's what we're doing instead. And it was, it's difficult and it's challenging and it's frustrating just like it was as we began our time together. But here's really what being still means in the context of this psalm. It means simply this, cease striving, be still, cease striving. What is striving? Striving is when we're trying to make something happen. It's when we're trying to get the results. It doesn't mean that we become passive when we're still. Being still is one of the most present, active, challenging things that we can do. But it's trusting that God is God. Because here's what God doesn't call us to do in the psalm. It's not what he called the ancient people to do. He doesn't call them to a new list. He doesn't give them a new set of weapons and say, go use these instead and go fight your battles. He says, be still and know 
that I'm God. He calls you and he calls me just as he called them to himself. It's a new way of being. The psalm, it starts and it ends with this idea that God is a refuge. He's a safe place. He's not a means. He's actually a destination. He's a place that we can be still and that we can rest under. And I don't know about you, and this is true for many of us who live in New Jersey in the tri-state area, this is a fast-paced place. This is a place that is fully populated by people who make things happen, who hustle because it's our way of life. And if you're a doer, this verse and this whole psalm feels like the hardest thing for you. And I get it because I'm exactly that way. This is harder than just about anything else. Because subtly, what many of us want is we want God to give us a new list of things that we can be doing. Or we want him to do our list for us. So we're like, okay, God, give me some stuff to do. Or, you know, here's some ideas that you could be doing, God. If I'm not going to do it, someone's got to do it. So why don't you do it instead? And God doesn't do that because that's actually the problem. In essence, in Psalm 46, what God is saying is he's saying, remember who I am. Remember what I'm doing. Remember who I've called you to be. Slow down. Trust me. Remember who it is I am when you're tempted to come up with your own ideas, when you get restless, when you get uncertain. Remember who I am. And remember that even when it seems like I'm not working according to your plan, that I'm always at work, that I'm always working, as the song that we sing so often here at church says. Remember that I have called you to be a different people than the world around us that so often seems like it's in an uproar. Slow down, wait on me, and trust me. So as we close today, I have a question for you. How is God trying to get your attention right now? Just like we talked in the beginning, that this psalm is really about God having his people's attention, having their heart. How is God trying to get your attention right now? Here's something that might make it a little bit more pointed and poignant. What is the thing that you see as a distraction, a setback, an impediment, even what feels like opposition that God is using? to get your attention? What's the thing that just feels like it's not what you want? It's thwarting your will. It's tripping you up. It feels like an obstacle or a barrier that's in your way. Might it be possible that God wants to use that to get your attention so that you'll open your hands, so that you'll release the weapons that you've been fighting with, so that you'll cease striving and be still. Maybe, you know, you're at a point in your life or in your circumstances where you're trying to figure out what to do next, and it just seems awfully unclear. And you've been praying these prayers even, 
God, show me what to do. God, show me where to go. God, show me what the next step is. And it just feels like those are falling. They're hitting like the ceiling of heaven. Maybe what you need to do is to not do, but to be still, to be with, to cease striving, to cease scheming, to cease calculating, and we hate this. There is no one who loves this because it makes us feel so out of control. And for at least a few of us, it makes us feel like we're being irresponsible and not doing our part. But maybe where God wants to start with you is you taking refuge in him. Because it's not that you just stop striving. It's not that you just stop doing. It's not that you just be still. You be still and something. You be still and know. You be still and then you know that God is God. You know, if you have read the psalm in a paper Bible, there's a curious word that's at the very end. And it's a word we haven't talked about yet. It's the word selah. So at the end of the psalm, there's this word selah, and it seems like just kind of a postscript of a word. But what it means Whenever you see it in the Psalms and you see it periodically, it was actually a musical term that was used with the ancient people. But it means this, pause. Consider what you've just heard. Stop, hang out here for a while. In essence, it's like God's cosmic mic drop. Selah, be still and know that I'm God that I'm with you. You can run to me when everything feels like it's falling apart. I'm always at work, even when you're not. You can count on me. Cease striving, be still, and know that he is God. Let's pray together. God, of all the things you call us to, this is one of the most difficult. Because for so many of us, this is so close to the core of our beings. We're so used to making things happen. We're so used to striving. We're so used to, to just fight to keep our heads above water. And we do it so often with so many of the best intentions. And that's why being still to cease striving, to cease trying to be God, to cease trying to struggle and fight with the weapons that are so easily found in the world around us with each other and against circumstances is so hard. But I pray that we would be people who not only take a chance on running to you as a refuge, of hiding in who you are, but to cease striving and embrace that we're not God, that the way we live our lives so often is not your way, but that you are God and that we can rest in that and we can rest in you and that you are all powerful as the Psalm reminds us and you're always working. For each of us who are hearing this today, there's a circumstance that this is poignant to, where it just hits home. 
And it's the thing we don't know where to turn and we've been trying to make something happen. We've been trying to be diligent and we've even done it in the name of God. And we've prayed that God would help us and show us and provide for us and those are all good prayers. But God, under those circumstances and in those places, I pray today that your presence would fill them. We'd open our hands. We'd release whatever's in them. We would be still and we would trust in you. And so when we move, when we respond, it's in your way. It's in your time. And we would be the kind of people who live out your reality in the world around us in such a different way than we're used to see. So you have our attention. Now speak, for we are listening. And show us how to be still. We thank you for our time together. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net. We're on social media at LHCNJ, and we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.